building a legacy. And today's topic is maybe a little awkward at first and maybe catches you off guard because we're going to talk about building a legacy around suffering and struggle. And when you first think about building a legacy, those aren't two words that usually get joined to, to legacy. But as Pastor Steve uh, rightly said last week, uh, we can do more together. And he asked this question, so what are we doing? Today I want to ask the question, what are we doing with suffering? What are we doing with struggle? Because either one of those will refine us, uh, they'll harden us, or they'll consume us. Right? They'll refine us, consume us, or harden us. And so uh, coming back from uh, our trip last week uh, to Guatemala, there's, a, there's a, a picture that certainly has been painted that is real for, for those of us who just came back. And, and thank you for praying for us and uh, for supporting us in going. And there, I just want to show you and, and maybe just let you see how suffering or poverty or adversity or struggle might change our perceptions of what God is doing in the midst of suffering and struggle. What you see there are wheelchairs and people. What I see there are wheelchairs and people who've been traveling since midnight. And a little boy who's standing there in the best clothes he has at the end in green and blue, who at 4 p.m. his relative finally got her turn to get a chair. And this eight, nine-year-old boy had been up since midnight. I saw him eat once. He didn't make one peep. He had no toys to play with. And he got along just fine. He actually got along really good. Like he was having fun. He was playing. He was finding his own activities. At 4 o'clock, he sees Sylvia, who is one of the workers, who herself is now giving back after having uh, uh, polio as a young child, working through depression, and now gets to serve back in her community. And he's standing there and he's looking and like, well, hey, let's jump right on in, buddy. Here, let's, let's do something. You've been waiting a really long time. About time you get to do something. What we see is adversity and struggle in our own kids or maybe in our own lives is certainly shaped by our experiences, right? Struggling adversity will either refine us, consume us, or harden us. I mean, it begs the question, right, why does God allow suffering? It's a question that's been asked for 
generation after generation, and guess what? It's going to be one we're going to keep on asking. And so today what I want us to do is to, to dive into this topic around building a legacy around adversity. And so I want you to just take a, a quick listen to Tim Keller, who's, this is actually a trailer to a book that's referenced on the very bottom of your bulletin. Uh, but he starts to really get to the point of what it means for us as Christians to walk in this walk of suffering and struggle. There's nothing more important than to be equipped to face evil and suffering because it is absolutely coming. It is inevitable. Even if you've lived a fairly trouble-free life up to now, uh, that cannot last. That's one of the teachings of the Bible. That's also certainly common sense. Modern secular culture says this life is all there is. There's no afterlife. There's no soul. And all happiness has to be found right here. And so the meaning of life is to be happy. Well, if that's the meaning of life, then suffering destroys your meaning in life. The Bible teaches us many, many things about the nature of suffering, where it comes from, the meaning of it, how to face it. It gives us a hope for the future. And so it gives us all this teaching. And yet, it's very possible to have that all in your head. I know somebody once who did a PhD dissertation on evil and suffering in the book of Job, but when bad things happened to him, he realized he didn't know how to actually use that teaching in his life. You need to be equipped to not just know in your head what the Bible teaches about evil and suffering, but know how to use it in the life so that suffering is completely defeated. Jesus Christ gives you the resources, and faith in Jesus Christ gives you the resources to face suffering so that instead of withering you or shrinking you or crushing you, it will actually enhance you and deepen you and grow you. Instead of withering you, it can grow you. It's one thing to have it in your head. It's not one thing to be competent about it. It's another thing to be proficient in it. And some of you know that very well, and some of you do that very well. And on a day that we remember those who've gone before us and how they suffered, they leave a legacy and a testimony of God's working in their lives. We'll never get an answer uh, on this side of heaven to why God allows suffering, one that's perfect and uh, completely that satisfies us, right? But when we get into his presence, he will give us that understanding, I'm sure, and certain. I, I wonder if he's even going to have to speak a word or if he's just going to reveal it to us and we're just going to see it and understand it and, and glory in it. And on this side of earth, it just... It, we're going to be dissatisfied, but building a legacy through suffering, we can start to learn and become competent and proficient in what God's trying to do for us. And so today what I want to do is just walk through three of those things of what God's doing in the midst of adversity. And the first one is this, that God uses suffering for us. Henry Nouwen uh, is... Uh, uh, just a brilliant uh, theologian uh, who's sainted himself, and he said it this way, suffering invites us to place our hurts into larger hands. In Christ, we see God suffering for us. 
You see, God desires, right, to draw us closer to him. And so he does. He allows suffering, adversity, and struggle, right? But if you see that as an opportunity where God is calling your name and God is saying, come closer to me, that's what he wants to do. He is not saying that it was okay. He's not saying that he agrees with the suffering. He's in no way giving acceptance to it, but he's going to use it to refine us. Or we can allow it to harden us or consume us. You think about the Apostle Paul, early Christian. He was the one persecuting Christians, and and Jesus came and revealed himself to him and said, now you're going to go make disciples that follow after me. And Paul preached, and Paul found himself where? Thrown in prison. Just because you have a divine experience or you're close to the divine doesn't excuse you from suffering. Paul knew that well. I would say that God gives us, God wants to give us his greatest gifts. More of himself. And when you go, unfortunately, through adversity and struggle and suffering, you have the opportunity to see, to experience more of God. It invites us into a place where our hurts into his larger hands. In Christ, we see God suffering for us, for us. Christ on Calvary suffering for suffering's sake? No. Christ suffering uh, for his own glory? God suffering for you because he loves you. God desires our greatest dependence, and suffering allows us to to lean into, to experience that need and that dependence for him. At times we feel like we've received a death sentence. You just don't know how you're going to get your way out. But as we lean on Jesus, and we lean on his gifts, and we lean on his abilities... We recognize that suffering isn't futile. It isn't futile. It isn't pointless. Suffering produces. What does suffering produce? Well, Keller says it this way. He says... If you believe and you rest in Jesus, then suffering will relate to your character as fire relates to gold. That's exactly what Scripture says. Here's Romans chapter 5. You see it printed before you. So what does suffering produce? Endurance, character, and hope. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. 
And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So in what ways, in what ways is it helpful for us to allow our loved ones to suffer? That's a really odd question, isn't it? Maybe one you've never been asked before, and I don't mean it in some sadistic sense. Not at all. What I mean is, how is God allowing the suffering, but how can we come along the suffering as God has come alongside us to allow us to build character, right? To build hope, to have a greater endurance. Because it can either refine us, consumer harden us, as, as Keller said, it's important to be equipped to face evil and suffering because guess what? They're inevitable. It's going to happen. So are we going to become competent and, but also proficient, that is, be able to use it for a greater good? So that's one thought, that God uses suffering for, for us to grow our character, which leads uh, to the next point, that God uses suffering for the community. For the community. For one another. Romans chapter 12 says it this way, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep is another way it's said. God comforts us in our sorrows and our afflictions so that we can comfort others in theirs. Suffering helps us to care for one another. And if you think of last week, what was happening here in the States and Pittsburgh and all over, it was chaos yet again. And if you start to look at what's happening, especially in Western cultures, there's an epidemic that even the CDC is on top of called loneliness, which is a lack of what? Community. And it's at epidemic proportions, and he, even the media has picked up on this, and people are writing about this. Here are just a few of the titles on this topic of suffering and, and loneliness in our culture today. Americans are lonely a lot, one title says, and young people may be bearing the heaviest, heaviest burden. Here's another one. If you think everyone else has more friends, you're not alone. If feeling lonely, too much time on social media may be why. Guys, we have a problem. How American masculinity creates lonely men. There's a lot there. There's a lot. But let's just say this, that 
what God shows us in the scriptures is that we get to walk in biblical community. And that means comforting those who are comforted. Because if we ourselves haven't gone through trial or suffering and we haven't faced that and dealt with it well, then how can we comfort those in their sorrows? And I would beg, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, I believe that God uses our suffering as one of the main strategies to testify to his love and to his glory. So that when someone else is suffering, we can walk alongside them and come alongside them, love and care for them so that they aren't lowly, but they know that there's love and a compassionate God who has fulfilled every single one of his promises. Suffering well allows others to participate in God's reign of presence, perseverance, character building, and a hope-filled witness. Is it beneficial to be a helicopter parent? Is it beneficial to bail one another out of trouble all the time? Is it helpful to wander away or distance ourselves from people who are struggling? Is it beneficial to buy into the lie that I'm all alone? Or is it beneficial to lean in and beneficial to learn and beneficial to increase our capacity for adversity as a means to love other people, as a means to be loved more by, not loved more by God, but to see how much more God loves us, right? He loves you just the same. It's just as you peel that away and you're open to it more, you see how much deeper that love is as an opportunity to share and love other people as Jesus has so loved us, or to put it in our language, right? Suffering is inevitable, so we don't want to wither or, sh or shrink, but we want to deepen and enhance our celebration of who God is and who he is for us. We want to deepen and, and cultivate relationships with one another so that we can see more of how God's drawing us to himself. Or we want to connect more and more with people who are disconnected with Jesus so that they can experience the love that, that we've experienced in Christ. Which leads to this third question. But I ask you this question first. In what ways is it helpful to allow suffering for you and your loved ones? Again, we live in a Western culture that tries to medicate and tries to push away and tries to distance ourselves from suffering. Yeah? We do everything we can to get away from it. And what I'm trying to lay out here is if we read the scriptures, we see that God comes into suffering. He loves the brokenhearted. Jesus is famous for saying in Matthew chapter 11, Come, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. That is the God we follow. That is the God that loves us. That is the God we get to carry out Monday through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in our workplaces. The one who gives us rest so we can offer that same rest to others. And so the third thing is that God uses suffering to share his love. 
Hebrews chapter 12 follows that great passage in Hebrews chapter 11 of the saints, Noah and Abraham and Sarai. And here on All Saints Sunday, as we think about building a legacy around struggle and suffering, we hear these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross. For his what? For his joy. His joy. For joy he went into suffering. He found it joyful to put himself there, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne. I love this quote. You, you see it in the, the bulletin that suffering, can you go to the next slide? This isn't working. Thanks. Henry Nowen said this, in Christ we see God suffering for humanity and calling believers to share in God's suffering love for a hurting world. Let me read that again. In Christ we see God suffering for humanity and calling believers of Jesus to share in God's suffering love for a hurting world. Welcome to John 3.16. The small and even overpowering pains of our lives are intimately connected with the greater pains of Christ. Our daily sorrows are anchored in a greater sorrow and therefore a larger hope. So in what ways can we allow suffering in our lives and our loved ones? Helicopter parenting, not a good idea. Grandma and grandpa always coming in to bail a little grandchild or grandson out. Mm, I don't know. Are we building endurance? Are we building character? Are we just trying to release the difficulty or the limited capacity we have for our adversity? I would say that God's calling us to become far more comfortable with adversity. Or maybe who wants to be comfortable with it? All right, I don't, let's, I don't want to be comfortable with it either. But at least to have a greater capacity for it so that we can see more of how much God loves us. See how much God has given to us and brothers and sisters to walk alongside us and to remind us of the loving presence of our God and to use it as an opportunity to share God's love. If I was to ask you, tell me about someone who's made the greatest impact on your life spiritually and why, I'd imagine a lot of those stories have some element of adversity in it. Because it's in the midst of adversity, struggling or suffering, that we see growth. Not just in physical nature, right? Building muscles and all that. But even spiritually. 
And I'll leave you with this picture of a gentleman that we met last week. We are so overwhelmingly blessed by them. He was about 80 years old. He was in a wheelchair. He had diabetes, lost one of his legs, one leg amputation. His daughter locked him in a room, locked the door, and left him. Stole 20,000 casals of his. Somehow stole his house. Why does God allow suffering, even from those closest to us? Building a legacy through suffering. It's not the first way or maybe the primary way or the way we choose to want to build a legacy. But it's actually a very powerful way to do more together. And right next to this man was his best friend growing up, another 80-year-old, who brought him six hours to come experience maybe the best day of his life. May Jesus increase our capacity so that we can love those closest to us and those that Jesus comes in our paths. May he get all the glory, all the honor, and the praise. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, you are so, so good to us. And as we long for that day when our labors may rest, until that day, may you make our days worthy of honor and glory for you. May we die to ourselves, but may you use us for your eternal sake. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's rise.